Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hello and welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today, we're sitting down with Mike Hambright. Mike, how are you doing? Good, good, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Why don't you take a second to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do in real estate investing. Yeah, that's uh, that used to be an easier question to answer. I used to say I'm a real estate investor, but that's evolved into quite a few things over the last, uh, I guess, the last handful of years. But, but yeah, I'm a real estate investor primarily in the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, market. And have been for uh, almost 10 years now. We've done hundreds of deals here. And uh, that kind of evolved, you know, I guess um, pretty much right out of the gate, we started accumulating some rentals. And so now I have a rental uh, business with a portfolio of rentals. And uh, I guess a few years into to my business, uh, got into the coaching space and have been doing coaching and mentoring ever since. And that's kind of evolved. Um, and uh, let's see, about four years ago, hard to believe that it's almost been four years here, I started a podcast uh, called Flip Nerd. And uh, the, uh, for the first kind of 18 months, it was really just a podcast. And then it turned into kind of a membership platform, membership site for real estate investors where we create lots of content and share lots of tips and tricks and write blogs and stuff like that. So on FlipNerd.com, we have about 100,000 real estate investor subscribers now that kind of follow along with what we're doing. And um, I think that summarizes it at a, at a fairly high level. Started a mastermind for experienced investors uh, here recently and uh, had our first meeting just, uh, I guess, a few weeks back. And that's off to a pretty good, uh, off at a pretty good rate as well. I want to touch base on all of those different things that you're doing. But let's go back to the beginning when you got into investing and you started building the rental portfolio. Um, kind of walk me through what that was like when you left your your day to day corporate America job, and and what kind of spurred you to go full in on real estate investing. Yeah, it was really, um, you know, I, I, and I'm sure you have to. You talk to a lot of real estate investors uh, through our shows, where you meet somebody that's kind of hit hit rock bottom, you know, and then they found success. And so mine mine was never as is as rock bottom as some of the folks that I know that were like living in their car or anything like that. But I mean, truthfully, we were, we were never, we were in a difficult position where we had to figure it out, but never uh, quite that bad where I was homeless or anything like that. But it was definitely stressful. So for me, the, the story really is I worked for a large company uh, here in DFW, a multi-billion dollar company and, and had um, what I thought was a great job. I mean, I, I honestly was kind of a made man on the inside. I could, do whatever I want because I worked uh, directly for the CEO. I was kind of his right hand man, and so that was cool until it wasn't. So one, you know, I kind of thought <laughs> I, I could be there for a long, long time, and then truthfully, one day, um, just kind of out of nowhere, he got fired, and it was just like a kind of a you know corporate politics thing that just kind of brought him down. And and I was his outspoken right hand man, so I was kind of like next in line, and so that just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, at the time, though, my wife was a consultant, so she was traveling a lot. She really did not like her job at all, but did pretty well financially, made more money than I did. So here I am, kind of a newly newly married at that point. We'd probably been married for uh, less than two years at that point. And um, so it wasn't, it was more than a blow to my ego. I mean, it was a big blow to my ego, but other than that, it wasn't like, 
financially destitute or anything because we we didn't have kids yet. We didn't have a lot of responsibilities financially. Um, but during that process, I, I had to find another job, and my wife uh, decided to leave her job to support me taking a new job in Washington, D.C., uh, so we moved out there, and I worked for uh, another company. It was a retail. I was a re- retail, so it's not like I was in politics or anything like that. I never, never would do that. But right. um, yeah, so I went to work for. Uh, uh, you know, we called it a startup, but it had grown in just a few short years from from nothing to about 500 million in sales. Uh, and the problem is, uh, we were flying high. I was there for about 18 months, and kind of towards the end there, uh, unfortunately. They had grown rapidly, but it was profitless growth for the most part. And uh, during that time, they had gone public, so um, there started to be a lot of pressure on profit, and the company just was not profitable. So they filed bankruptcy after I was there for about 18 months. And and truthfully, right before that happened, I mean, I kind of knew that was about to happen, so I decided to leave. Um, and at that point, the uh, and I probably a lot of people lost their jobs anyway, so I just kind of tried to preempt it, I guess. But you know. The reality is, uh, at that point, my son, we had just had my son. So my wife had left her job to kind of support me taking this new job. My son was born, who was about two months old at that time when I left. And we were in uh, Washington, D.C., which really wasn't home for us or going to be either. We, we knew we were coming back here eventually, but just didn't realize it'd be that fast. Um, and so kind of here we are. Uh, and this was like the beginning of 2008. So the market was starting to slow down. It was harder to find jobs. And so... You know, um, the reality is I, I felt like corporate America had let me down like twice in a row, a, a lar- very large company and then a, a you know somewhat smaller company and just kind of felt this pressure is like, uh, you know, my wife and I have been married for, I guess, three three years or so at that point, And my son was uh, two months old and just felt this pressure of, man, I've got to figure out how to support my family because this corporate America thing isn't quite working for me. And quite frankly, I... I I had gone to uh, grad school. I went to one of the top programs in the country, and uh, and I just felt like, hey, this whole corporate America thing is not all it's cracked up to be. You know, I put a lot of uh, time and effort into trying to um, be successful in corporate America, and to find out that you know I really have no control over my own destiny. So, I think it was kind of this wake up call of, hey, I've I've always been kind of entrepreneurial, but I'd never really, you know, I never started a business or had never really done anything significant. Uh, but that's the route that I needed to take. And I'd always had an interest in real estate investing, but had never really done anything about it at all. Um, but we decided to kind of dive in. So with, that was that was kind of the beginning of of the decision to get into real estate. And uh, there's a lot more to the story, but uh, I know that uh, I, I could always end it by saying, and the rest is history. But right. truthfully, uh, there's a lot that happened after that. But that was kind of the uh, the beginning, I guess. So did you start off with wholesaling, rentals, fix and flips? What did you start off with? You know, naively, and truthfully, I say naively, we started in the summer of 2008. And I, I really, I guess I really didn't have a whole lot of uh, awareness of what was going on in the market. Now, of course, in DFW, it wasn't as bad as as uh, Arizona or Florida or you know Las Vegas or California market. So it was never really quite the downturn as there. But in hindsight, when I look back, I mean, People thought we were crazy for getting in because the market was, you know, kind of, I'll use air quotes here, crashing. It wasn't really crashing, but it definitely slowed down here. Um, now, in hindsight, I think uh, that was perhaps one of the best times to get in uh, was when all the other competition was running away and we were kind of right. running in, you know. 
uh, we didn't know that at the time, but in hindsight, um, I think it was a great time to get in. So yeah, we, you know, the funny thing is I, I really had very little knowledge of wholesaling when I'd made, when we kind of made the decision to get started. I wanted to, just because of, you know, um, watching TV shows when I was growing up, like, and, and, you know, I guess that far back, there wasn't really a whole lot of flip this house type stuff. Maybe, maybe, maybe there was a little bit, but there was, you know, God, this is going to really date me if I say this, but shows like growing up watching like this old house and stuff like that. I grew actually for about four years in high school and college. I worked for, um, a company called Menards, which is in the Midwest, but it's, it's kind of like, uh, if you're in the Midwest, you know it, but it's, it's effectively kind of the third largest, uh, behind Home Depot and Lowe's. Hold on real quick. I have to interject because I'm pretty sure this is the only time I'm ever going to be able to mention this. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge NASCAR fan. Yeah, and, there you go. And and my driver is Paul Menard. There so, you go. There you you know, go. I, I know all about Menards. Yeah. One time I went up to uh, Indianapolis for business, and I was so excited because I saw an actual Menards. And so I, I pulled yeah. off, like, immediately <laughs> U-turned and went in and just walked around. And it's a really cool store. I, I love it. Yeah, it's kind of like a Home Depot, really. Yeah. But And I don't, actually, I don't even know. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they have hundreds of stores, but I don't I don't really even know how big they are. But pretty good size for the Midwest. Um, but, yeah, so I'd always been around kind of uh, people fixing stuff up and building houses and construction. Although I, I, even to this day, like I, if you need me to hang a picture, if my wife needs me to hang a picture, it's going to take me a couple of, a couple of weeks to get around to that. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, um, so I really didn't know a whole lot about wholesaling. I just knew about kind of fixing, flipping or conceptually about it and knew that I wanted to own rental properties and kind of build wealth. Uh, but very quickly we realized that how powerful wholesaling is in terms of cash flow for your business. Right. Um, but yeah, so we, truthfully, our first year, um, we just, you know, as I said, failure just was not an option we were willing to choose. And, and, uh, uh, so we ended up buying 65 houses in our first year and, uh, probably rehabbed roughly half of those and then wholesaled or assigned mostly assignments, uh, the other, the other half. And I don't know if we kept very many rentals in the first year, probably a couple, um, but that, that probably started to happen in kind of more year two, three, four. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we were just, we were just a machine and just kind of just cranking them out as fast as we could. And, um, that's kind of how we started. So I always love the stories about how people got their start because it's amazing. Even when I tell my story to people, it's like, yeah, I did some fix and flips, but then I, I realized, well, wholesaling really helps out with cash flow. So we started doing that. And then I started getting properties under contract, and I'm like, well, passive income is almost even better than the cash flow at wholesaling. So these rental properties are even better to keep. And it's so funny to hear story after story where people kind of progress through that, where it's maybe the TV shows got you in to fix and flip, but real quickly you learned wholesaling and buy and holds might even be a better strategy for you long term. Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, now we we have about forty rentals here in DFW, and, and we haven't. Uh, it's been harder to add them in the last few years, just because the you know I've kind of really it's because I'm spoiled by what we got in the 2009 to 2012 timeframe with rentals. But um, yeah, I look back now and wish that like man, I wish I had 140 of these things or had 500 of these things. And so right. if I had it to do over again, um, there's a lot I would do differently. Uh, pro- but mostly it would include keeping a lot more rentals. So let's talk about 
you creating Flip Nerd. What is Flip Nerd and how did that come about? I know it started as a podcast, but how did the platform itself come about from the podcast? Yeah, so, um, you know, one one thing that I started to do here in Dallas forward, so I've always been kind of big on networking. I mean, even if I go back to high school and college and stuff, I was always the, I was always a connector. I was always kind of hosting, you know, happy hours or pulling people together or uh, having parties for my friends or whatever. So I've always kind of been that way, like a pulling people together. And when I got started in real estate investing, you know, I didn't, um, it's kind of a lonely business. Like if you, if you don't have, if you don't start to build out your network, network, it gets kind of lonely. And there are RIA clubs and I've always been a big sponsor of RIA clubs. Uh, you know, certainly even here in the Dallas Fort Worth market, I was a sponsor of a, one of the larger clubs for a long time. But truthfully, it was one meeting a month. You know, it was like a general meeting. I'm like, what are you going to do the other 29 days of the month? So, um, and, and honestly, I, even though I was, even though I'm, I'm, you know, I, I won't say anything bad about RIA clubs, but there just tend to be a lot of newer people that are trying to figure out like how to move forward. And right. so it got kind of lonely as kind of an experienced investor, somebody that I could talk to about what's, what's working and what's not. And so what happened is I ended up creating, uh, this kind of just concept of, people coming to watch us rehab ho- houses. So at the time, you know, during those years, we were rehabbing probably six or seven houses at any given time, uh, actively had projects going on. And um, so I started this thing called Rehab Live. And uh, it was a way to build my buyers list, a way for me to network. But I would invite people to come watch us rehab a house. And so they would basically, it would kind of work like this. Like they would come meet us three times. So they would you know, register, if you will. There's no cost or anything, but just let us know you're coming. And we kind of added them to a mailing list. And so we would meet at the house uh, right before we started the project. Sometimes we hadn't even closed on it yet, like we're about to. And uh, I always picked houses that were the worst of the worst, you know, that there was going to be a major transformation visually. And so um, we would meet at the house kind of at the beginning, and I would show everybody, and I would have them try to estimate what they think the repairs are and what they would do and think about it, and we'd kind of talk about it. And then we'd meet again halfway through and you know, maybe two two weeks later, and then we'd meet two or three weeks later again when the project is done. And uh, I would, like, order pizzas and stuff. We literally just – there was no furniture or anything in the house. We would just literally sit in the living room and uh, talk about the project, like how we did it, why we did this, why didn't we do that, how much did this cost, and uh, just kind of educate people. And so through that process, I, I built up a decent following here in DFW – of people just knowing that, hey, if you come across any deals that you want to wholesale, I'm your guy. If you want to get on my wholesale list, we'll add you to it. And so it was just a great kind of networking opportunity and a way to build relationships here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And and then what happened is I started to say, well, what if I did this online? What if I started to do some things where I could reach a broader audience? So I hired a video guy that worked for me for probably – it might have been a year and a half or so, two years even. And he effectively just kind of followed me around because I was constantly going to check on projects and stuff anyway. And so we kind of moved that show online, if you will, where we're rehabbing projects and uh, and uh, people are kind of watching, I guess, from anywhere in the world. Now, in hindsight, we did a whole lot of effort to create that content and we're really terrible at distributing it to a broad, a broad audience like we it, we just kind of relied on organic stuff on Facebook or our mailing list that we had, but there was no kind of – in hindsight, there wasn't a great strategy to really build a list, you know, which we could have done very differently, had, knowing what I know now. Right. 
Um, but that evolved into a podcast. Um, and uh, at the time, you know, there was there there were some other real estate podcasts out there, but really not anywhere close to what there are now. I mean, there were, you know, probably a handful of of uh, some of the early pioneers. People that actually are really good friends of mine now, you know, um, Sean Terry, Matt Terrio, Joe McCall had his podcast, and uh, there were just a few um, out there that were that were kind of actively being added to. There were a couple where somebody did a few shows and they never came back, but for the most part, um, it was a fairly small uh, group. So that was four years ago, um, and uh, and I I knew that we would kind of wrap a site around it, like a membership site of some sort, without necessarily knowing what that would be. Uh, but it's just, it, it, it did evolve and it continues to evolve as to what, what Flip Nerd is all about. But we try to, if nothing else, make it a, a safe place that, you know, most of the content on the site is, is free. We have over 1,500 shows across uh, three different podcasts that we've created up until now um, that have a ton of great information and it's all, it's all completely free. That's crazy, 1,500 shows. Um I remember when Flipner, the the actual platform where, as a wholesaler, you could enter the properties on the map and and try to market your property. I remember that when that came out. Wasn't that in 2014? That was probably about two, yeah, probably late 2014, early 2015. And you could still do that now. It's uh, a, you know, you that's actually a funny thing. We don't we don't probably uh, market that enough, but you can. If you could post a property on, so we basically have a, a listing platform. So you have to be a member, you have to log in, but you could log in for for free, effectively, and um, you can publish a property, which is just add pictures, write a description, how many beds and baths, a simple form that you could do in a few minutes, and uh, it'll be on the site. So you could send out a link to somebody if you wanted to kind of promote your listing. It's kind of a digital flyer, if you will, um, but. Uh, for people that are what we call an elite member, so they're a paying member, they actually receive real-time uh, emails and text messages that a new property in your market has been listed. Right. Um, and in fact, uh, this is one of the things that we really haven't promoted all that much at all uh, that we need to is if you're if you're in, uh, you know, we have a hundred thousand subscribers, so we, we and we don't historically we didn't know where they all were at so we're doing a bit, much better job now of identifying where people are at so we can add them to effectively kind of buying lists and markets all over the country but for example if you're in the Dallas Fort Worth market and this this is this happens to be our largest market just because where we started at but we have thousands of members in Houston and San Antonio and Atlanta but uh, lots of other markets LA but um, if you were to post a property, you can after you post it which is free you can uh, it'll give you the chance to promote it to that market for 197 bucks. So it'll actually email it out to everybody that we have in that market. So it'll tell you, you know, if you were in Atlanta, for example, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but it might say, do you want us to email this out to 1800 people or whatever the number is? And uh, so that's 197 bucks, but it's a way to get, if you don't have a buyer, like a big buyer's list, it's a way to get it in front of a lot of people that you wouldn't otherwise get to. Um, but yeah, we have some features like that on the site that are pretty cool. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is when when you rolled that out, we we saw the site and we were just getting started in wholesaling. And I I remember probably two or three of our first 10 properties we sold through Flipnerd. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, we we posted on there and then also it helped us build our buyers list, you know, yeah. by by posting it on there. Maybe that property didn't work out for everybody, but we got, 
you know, we were able to get in front of investors, you know, nurture a relationship, and then further on down the road, maybe sell another property to them. So it's yep. definitely a great tool for, especially for newer wholesalers to get their properties out there and also potentially build their buyers list as well. Yep, yep. So another thing that you're currently building or or have just started is Investor Fuel. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we started, uh, again, kind of back to my roots of, of always being kind of a connector. And, I mean, I didn't start, like I said, I, I started all these things with the intent to build my um, – to build my uh, – network without actually knowing what the benefits would be, I guess. Uh, but truthfully, if there's anything that's happened over the last three or four years through FlipNerd is my my uh, network has just kind of exploded. So just uh, blessed to know a lot of uh, great people and have access to a lot of uh, people that I wouldn't have had otherwise or companies as well. And so, um, like I said, I've always been a connector and uh, and a mastermind has, I've always done kind of, you know, mastermind's a loose word, but I've always done things like that where people that I've coached and mentored, I've always connected, hey, you need to talk to this person, let me connect you with this lender, let me do this and that. So I've always kind of done that, if nothing else, informally. Um, so, and I've been a part of a number of different masterminds and just saw the opportunity to uh, to get involved with that myself and try to help a lot of people and, and be a connector. Um, so yeah, we started Investor Fuel, which is, uh, you can learn more at investorfuel.com. Um, just, uh, I guess we had our first meeting about a month ago, about three or three or four weeks ago. And so it's, what we really, uh, have there is I do some coaching and mentoring and things for people that are brand new. This really is for people that are actively doing deals. So we, we really want somebody that's already doing a, at least a deal or two a month. Uh, and there's some people in the group that have done, you know, over a thousand houses. So we have some, pretty talented individuals in there as well. But we're generally looking for people that are that are uh, kind of newer or, you know, doing a, a deal or two or three a month that we can, you know, there, it doesn't really, honestly, it's real easy to take somebody that's doing two or three deals a month, give them some guidance, connect them with the right people, and for them to double their business or better. It's harder to take somebody that's already doing 20 deals a month to get them to double or triple that. I and mean, that's a lot harder. Uh but uh but yeah it's a great group it's um it's interesting because we're we've only had our first meeting we have our four meetings four meetings a year which are already set up for next year and uh it's going to be interesting to see how um how we grow from one meeting to the next cuz honestly um we got tremendous feedback that was uh what people just really enjoyed it got a lot out of it uh built some great relationships uh when i set it up i set it up with some really talented uh, people that could help me grow the mastermind and could add things that I can't add. So we've got, you know, guys like John Martinez, which is kind of probably the nation's leading uh, sales trainer now for real estate investors and Trevor Mock from Investor Carrot and uh, Paul Lazell, who's a virtual wholesaler that's doing 20, sometimes 30 deals a month all over the country. And Matt Andrews is a good friend of mine. He adds a, a lot. So I've brought in some people that can add a lot of value to the group. And uh, and this is kind of all of our mastermind. We're, we're kind of using this as a platform to to build all of our networks and try to add value along the way. So, yeah, we're off to a good start. Yeah, I I could tell because you always know when, when a good event's going on, when you get on Facebook, when the event's happening, and your entire Facebook feed is nothing but people checking in or taking pictures. Or, oh, cool. 
talking yeah. about how great the event was. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to make it this time just due to timing and pre prior commitments. But um, the, the whole time I was sitting there looking, and I'm going, man, look at all, you know, John Martinez, like you said, and Trevor Mock, and um, all people that, you know, I have the utmost respect for. So yeah, it, yeah. it, it obviously was a huge success. We're off to a good start. Yeah. So with everything that you have going on now with FlipNerd and Investor Fuel, what does your real estate investing business look like now? Is it more focused on those or are you still doing Yeah, we're still we're still doing deals. We're still doing deals. Uh and I have um you know, I have some um my coaching the coaching and mentoring stuff that I do, we've kind of taken it to a much uh, higher level where we're really forming kind of partnerships with people. So so we're still actively doing deals on our own, um, for sure. But, uh, you know, truthfully, I like, I like them. I get, a, I guess I'm at a point where I don't have to work as hard as I used to, but I'm kind of a workaholic. So I struggle with like setting back, you know, I mean, that's just not me. Uh, but I get a lot more out of this business when it's, when there's a networking component to it or when there's like a teaching component to it. So we definitely still are doing deals, uh, ourselves in DFW and have a fair bit of activity going on. But uh, as I move forward, I'm probably doing more things like through others and with others through joint ventures and coaching partnerships and uh, the mastermind and stuff like that. Honestly, I do deals with some of the guys that are in the mastermind. This uh, One of the guys that does virtual wholesaling, he buys tons of stuff at auction all over the country. And so he gets stuff in DFW, and, and we kind of partner on those things. And so, you know, I've just found that it's it's a lot more fun to be doing deals with other people. And of course, since I've been in the business for so long, like we still advertise and, and generate leads on our own, but there's just more and more from my network that tends to, you know, kind of fall in my lap, if you will, just from uh, relationships and, and having been kind of out there beating the bushes for so long. Right. So for the listeners that are newer or might be struggling a little bit for someone that's a high level player, like you are, what kind of advice would you give them where, today's market is what would be the best strategy to break into real estate investing or change the tide of a struggling business? You know, I would say that, um, I think a lot of new people that are trying to get in this business just give up too early. And, um, I think there's a, this is, it's, it's, I like to say that it's a, it's a simple business. It's simple to understand. It's not, it's not rocket science. But it's not easy. There's a lot of moving parts. And I think um, a lot of times people – I saw somebody post a meme this morning that said something like, you know, people are – they'll work for somebody else for 40 years before they'll work hard to build their own business for two or three years. You know, And I think, unfortunately, a lot of us are like that. We want to pop a pill and lose 50 pounds and, you know, and, and just take the easy route to do things. Um but I think if you want this bad enough, you have to just basically not let failure be an option and not give up. And so it's easy to get distracted by people that you see that are that you that you perceive to be a big dog or doing lots of deals and stuff. But when you pull back the covers, sometimes there's more to the story. And so don't don't let that bring you down that you're not getting deals and somebody else looks like they just did ten deals. Like you don't you don't know the story. They might be like a co-wholesaler and they're only making a thousand bucks on each of those deals. Right. And, and they, when they worked 80 hours a week to get it done, you know, and not to take anything away from that person, but there's often more to the story 
So I would say if you just really kind of sit down and, and define what it is that you want to accomplish, um, and it's not a number of deals, it's it's financially, like how much money do you want to make? Yeah, no, uh, I'll, And then I'll, kind of I'll back into that how I'll, to get that done. Yeah, Go I'll ahead. take that a little bit further as well because with today's social media presence, it can get a little bit daunting when, you know, if you get on Facebook or Instagram and all you see is, quote, unquote, your competitors talking about how great their business is, well, of course that's what they're going to be putting on social media. <laughs> right. No one's going to be sitting there saying, well, I got 10 properties under contract to wholesale and I didn't draw, you know, I, I didn't sell any of them. I had to drop them all. No one's going to post that. They're going to post the big check. They're going to post about their, their beautiful flip or, or things along those lines. You're not getting a full glimpse into their business. So don't get downtrodden about that because maybe you're not getting the same success. They're only going to share the success with you. Very few people do I know share their failures as much as they share their successes. So it is a, it is kind of a, a give and take with today's social media age, you know, and I, and I'm a huge advocate for using social media to build your brand and build your, you know, awareness. Like you talking about networking. Now you have people bringing you deals which essentially lowers your marketing costs because you don't have to market as much right. because you have people just bring it because they know who you are because of your branding and, and getting your name out there. So just utilize social media, but don't make it the end all be all where it can almost deflate you. And because you're not living up to what you're seeing on social media from other people. Yeah. Don't let it bring you down and don't let, I guess uh, we, we very, we're very good um, at letting, other people's success or perceived success define what what we want or need, and I think once you kind of get a level of business maturity and get past that, to say that I don't that's like good for them, you know, whatever good for them or I feel sad for them or whatever the story might be, but that has nothing to do with your goals. It shouldn't, right? right? And I I use the example of a lot of people come to me and they say. Oh man, RJ, you're killing it because you're flipping houses in Hawaii. Well, there's a little bit of a background to that. My childhood best friend lives in Hawaii and he's a contractor. This has nothing to do with the success or failure of my business. It just happens to be that I had an opportunity. So don't look at the fact that I'm buying a house and flipping it and it looks like it's in paradise because it is, means that I'm far more successful than you or anything along those lines. It's It's funny how people can misconceive the success or failure of someone's business just based off of a couple of posts on Facebook or Instagram or, or things along those lines. And like you said, yep. make your goals and and build a plan out to achieve those goals and don't worry about what anybody else is doing. I mean, That's right. to, to be honest with you, you and I are in the same market. I don't ever sit there and think, well, what's Mike Hambright doing in Dallas that that I need to be doing over here in Fort Worth. I mean, we're essentially in the same market. We compete against uh, on leads and marketing, but I never think about that. Right. And I'm sure you never think about what I'm doing either. So um, anyways, moving on, um, you know, we're, we rapidly flew through our allotted time here. So <laughs> uh, let, let's move on to what is your why and, and the driving force behind creating your real estate investing business, Flip Nerd, Investor Fuel, the coaching and mentoring. What is your why? Yeah, I think I think that is evolved. I think it kind of went from 
you know, maybe there, certainly early on it was financial reasons. Like I, I want to make money. I want to feed my family. I want to do things. Then it got to a point to where, hey, I make more money than I need to live on. Um, so it was more about impact, like leaving an impact or making a difference. Um, and uh, I think that's kind of where the phase I am now. I probably um, should, you know, I guess historically I, I was probably more worried about making an impact or making an impression or uh, changing, making things better for other people. Uh, even though I wanted to improve things for other people, maybe it was more selfish, like this need to like feel like I'm adding value or whatever, I guess. Uh, but I can, I think a lot more now about um, my, uh, as I kind of move forward, I, I spend, this is going to sound like, well, haven't you been doing this all along? And this kind of goes back to where I think a lot of real estate investors get hung up on success or what they want, what success means for them. And because, uh, you know, a lot of us get into this for lifestyle, right? Like we want a better lifestyle. We want more time. We want control of our time. Um, and I've kind of struggled with that, even though I preach that. Sometimes I don't practice it because I'm also a workaholic and I'm just always thinking about business. And my hobbies generally include solving business problems <laughs> and things like that. But I think more and more about um, just the freedom of my own time. And so I guess as I kind of move forward here, my focus really is more on impact and uh, and just enjoying what we worked so hard for over all these years. Where do you want Mike Hambright to be in five years? Five years. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> that's a good By question. By the way, this is my favorite question to ask people just because they're like, really, RJ? You didn't tell me you were going to ask me that. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good question, man. I I, I would like to believe that, uh, I mean, more and more of what I've done, which I which I enjoy, is is virtual in the sense that, even if we're buying houses here, I, I don't necessarily need to be here. I have a good team. Um, and I think through some of the relationships and partnerships that I'm building, I can generally do those from anywhere. So, you know, truthfully, I think uh, my son is 10 right now. In five years, he'll be 15, 16. That is scary. He'll be driving close to that. You know, I don't know. I think, I think more than ever, I want to make sure that I am not uh, – I'm not like the Evander Holyfield of uh, real estate investing where I just don't know when to say when. You know, I just, right. at some point, I just am comfortable where I'm at. I'll always be doing deals. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but I, I think it can be, I don't think that, you know, a lot of uh, folks, especially on social media, back to those conversations, kind of thump their chest forever. It, like, I'm big and i doing more deals and growing my deal flow every year. I think right. at some point, I've kind of realized that it's it's not about necessarily about unit volume, even though I've done a lot of deals. Like my goal is not to like triple the size of my deal flow. I mean, of course, I want to make more profit, but I think what I've kind of discovered is I can have a more profitable business if I am showing other people the way and kind of connecting people and being a conduit there. So I think uh, I don't know how to answer that question. I'm kind of tiptoeing around it, but I think you know just making a bigger and bigger impact and doing it in a way to where I'm not. Um, impeding on my personal and family life any more than I already have in the past and probably trying to enjoy more of that time. Well, as a as a father as well, I can only imagine my, my son's five, and to think about him being 10 is such a huge jump. And so for you, going from 10 to 15, <laughs> um, it's, it's almost like they're a different being at that point. You know, yeah. like 10, they're still a kid. 15, 16, they're driving, 
it's like, whoa, what happened? He went from kid to almost an adult. So, yeah, as a as a business owner, it becomes more and more important where you are more present in that part of your life and less present in your business, but you're creating the business to still function as well as when you're in, as involved in it as you are now. So right. I, I, I understand that. So my last question to you, and, and quite possibly the most important question, you and I are both huge Dallas Stars fans. <laughs> um, and so I'm giving you the opportunity. We're recording this on November 21st, 2017. What are the Dallas Stars going to do in the 2017-2018 season? How far are they going to make it? Man, I hope they turn around. We uh, So it's funny because uh, – uh, Kevin, who is really kind of started as my general contractor and still is a contractor, has become a great friend of mine. He's rehabbed a couple hundred houses for me, and um, and we're kind of partners now on deals as well. Like I said, I I just try to <laughs> add value by turning people into uh, partners in one way or another. And but um, so he's been a huge fan for years, season ticket holder for like five or six years now. This is uh, my wife and I uh, got season tickets this year uh, with uh, my buddy Kevin. And my wife is like this out of nowhere. She's not historically a sports fan at all, but she's like this massive fanatic that's like hooting and hollering and screaming and everything. So, uh, but the, the games are a lot of fun. Um, man, that is a good question. I, I, I was hopeful that they would be doing better than they are right now, but they have seemingly found a way to just blow some games that you just can't believe they blew that bad. So I, I, you know, the season's still, I guess the season's still pretty early. So I'm hopeful that they're, uh, They've got a lot of talent on the team. They just have to. They just have to be playing better than they are right now. All right, I'm not going to let you tiptoe around this one like you did the five years. So <laughs> you got You got to put something down. How far are they going to make it? Uh, I think they'll make it about halfway through the playoffs. I don't think that they're going to go much further than that. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna mark it down that uh, Ken Hitchcock's going to turn them around and they're going to make it all the way to the finals this year. I hope so. There you go. So uh, if I'm right, then uh, then I can use this in June and be like I told everybody. And otherwise, it's on a real estate investing podcast, and everyone at this point will just stop listening. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. So, <laughs> All right, Mike. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us. I know you're an extremely busy guy, and, and I appreciate you taking the time to, to share what you did with us today and, and everything that you do for – uh, the real estate investing community, and also for the local DFW real estate investing community, um, you're uh, you're someone that I look up to, and uh, I, I aspire to be like you one day. Hey, man, I appreciate the kind words, and uh, hopefully our paths will cross soon. So thanks for the opportunity to be here with you. All right, Mike. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, R.J. Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault.